Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Gabby Roslin here. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. In this episode, I chat to one of the hardest working actors in the business. It's Jason Watkins. You'll know him most recently for playing Brian Masters in Dez and Harold Wilson in The Crown. Also, he starred in McDonald's and Dodd, W1A, the Nativity films, and so much more. We chat about all of that, plus being in a James Bond film, his first time in front of a camera when he was in EastEnders in 1987, and the importance of the arts right now. We start this chat with Jason standing on his hands, which for those of you who don't know about it, well, it's because he is famous for doing this. Whenever he's on any chat show or whenever he does anything, he's famous for standing on his hands. He does it in the films. He does it in the TV shows and he does it on this podcast. I am so grateful that this episode is sponsored by one of my favorite companies, Simprove. Now it's a food supplement containing live and active bacteria, which has done absolute wonders for both mine and my family's health. More information can be found at Simprove.com with the discount code GABY15 for 15% off the 12-week program. I'll tell you more about it later. on your hands and we wouldn't know no uh yes can you do it now oh go on please oh uh, well uh, please stand on your hands God, hold now. on i've already done a bit of cycling this morning so i've just i'm gonna do it all right i'm doing it this is probably gonna drag my <laughs> computer off the table i've got my flip-flops on one of my sandals gosh it's, it's, it's just a vision of domestic bliss <laughs> there we go yeah on my hands now so do you want maybe a couple of questions? Okay. Yeah. How's how's your lovely wife Clara? Oh, Clara's lovely. Yeah, she's great actually. Yeah, she's uh, she's doing very well. Yeah, she's great. She's got she's got a new business. She's got a new fashion brand called Oh Pioneers, and uh, that's doing well. Oh, is that the same one as the one she had last time I saw you? It is. It's, no, this is the one. It's absolutely flourishing. I'm coming down now. I can. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> I mean, I could do lot for longer, obviously, but then my head would fall off or something. I'm not at all out of breath, as you can tell. I'm like, like an Olympic athlete. How far did you cycle today then already? I'm, I, I'm down in Bristol shooting um, 
another series of McDonald and Dots for ITV. Oh, and, uh, yeah, so I'm in Bristol. And so I brought my, for those people who know these things, I brought my turbo trainer, which is a, I put my bike on the, on the trainer and I cycle off in this virtual world, Gabby. And then, uh, so I did 50 kilometers and a race this morning. So I did a race uh, against lots of other people from all over the world doing the similar thing to me. Um, uh, didn't do very well, actually. Uh, but then I carried on and did 50, 50K. That's amazing. Yeah. That's 30 miles. Yeah, I like it because it sort of sets sets me. I've been, that's what I've been doing in lockdown. I've been getting sort of fit. And uh, I think combination, I think I put a bit of weight on when I played Harold Wilson and I kind of wanted to find a way of shedding that and um, not carry too much weight. So, yeah, so um, I've kind of typically completely gone for it. And uh, I'm now, as I said, I am now an Olympic athlete. I'm pleased to hear it. Do you know what? In my life, I never thought that I would hear that that whole sentence for coming out of one person's mouth. Because of lockdown and being Harold Wilson, I put on weight. So I've now cycled 50 kilometres and yeah. now I'm an Olympic athlete. Yeah. Made my day. Yes, I guess you can see the way my brain works. So <laughs> needs to be corralled. Well, where do we go? Do we start with Bristol? No, can we start? Can we start with with Wilson, with Harold yeah. Wilson? Mm. That so you actually did? You thought I was going to come in with a really heavy thing? No, did you actually have to put on the weight yourself then? I didn't have to put. I mean, I didn't have to put on weight. I mean, it wasn't. Nobody said, "Oh, you know, you need to put on weight." But I just felt when I did my research on him, and I met lots of people who knew him because. There's lots of work you can do impersonating on YouTube and there's so much wonderful footage and you can do a lot of work in terms of impersonation. But it's really good to m meet someone who knew him. And one of the things that um, Lord Montague told me, uh, Bernard Montague, who was, um, was one of his uh, policy advisors later on in his uh, time at number 10, said that he was sort of round and soft. And I kind of thought that's interesting, a sort of sharp mind, a sort of softer sort of exterior. And so that's where that came from. And so we had a, I got a bit of a fat suit, but it was just sort of around my, just around my face and just to sort of puff it out slightly. So that was, yeah. And, and I, I think all those things really help audiences because they just, the more you can convince them that you are that person as quickly as possible, the more they can really think about what you're saying what's happening in the scenes and all that, which is the really important bit, so yeah. It did, but it was extraordinary, Harold Wilson, I have to say. Um, it, it, I, I really, it wasn't an impersonation. You, you embodied him. I mean, you do so many real people, it's quite extraordinary. You know, obviously uh, Christopher Jeffries and then, and then Brian Masters recently in Des. But, but, but uh, Harold Wilson is somebody, I suppose, because of my age as well. I remember, I, well, you and I were very little, but, but, he, I then remember sort of impersonators always doing him and he was that uh, that's extraordinary voice but you didn't do an impersonation you absolutely embodied him and I think that's what the crown seems to do that you forget the all the actors and you, yeah you, they you and all of them you all embodied the real people well yeah I mean uh, it's just sort of surrounded by amazing amazing actors you know from Olivia Colman and you know it's just it's, privilege to do all those scenes with her and um you know and and, and everyone you know there was this uh um, Tobias Menzies and you know I mean they're they're very accurate 
portrayals of those people. I hesitate to use the word impersonation, but you know, the writing's so brilliant that you don't, you just don't want to sort of, you know, sort of stuck sort of thing. You know, you want to have something that's very real, so that draws audiences in. And Peter Morgan's writing is the thing I think that you, you're, we're all slave to that. So any impersonation, any sort of pyrotechnics of acting has to be, has to really be slave to the writing because that's the thing that draws audiences in. That's the sort of storytelling and that's the depth that you get in the crown because, you know, there's lots of talk about it, how accurate it is. And uh, it is, as far as mine is saying, is that it's very accurate and there is a little bit of dramatic license along the way. And it's a sort of, but they're the things that audiences want to know about this depth, not just, you know, a Madame Two Swords kind of uh, presentation of that world. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, were, it's just a, a fantastic cast. And as it goes on, that will that will continue. What is it like to be? I mean, obviously, you've there's so many things to talk about. And I, I'm actually going to be really sort of choosy of my favourites, if you don't mind, although all of them, of course, are my favourites. But but um, but being a part of the crown, which is a worldwide phenomenon is do you feel the weight of that when you when you're heading in when they made that call to you I mean I'm sure you didn't have to audition so they gave you a call and they said hello Jason we'd like you to be Harold Wilson you didn't have to think twice surely uh well I mean this is the thing I did have to audition did you oh gosh yeah I mean I I think there was uh, and I can't mention any names that there were seven of us so seven Harold Wilsons in the room at the same time yeah, so I did. I did a massive amount of homework even before the audition. So I kind of impersonated him. You know, I got him under my belt uh, well before we started shooting him. And then I got down to two. <laughs> it was a bit like you know, it was almost like sort of the auditions one does when one's a sort of teenager, you know, to get in school. You know. But uh, they want to get it right. They want to feel comfortable, and they can be as thorough as they wish. And you know, you want to show them your best. So. Yeah, it was. I think I was doing the play uh, Frozen. You were incredible in that. Well, that that was a sort of production week. So I I went in on a Sunday morning uh, in a little studio in Soho, and the other actor, he I think he'd gone in before me, although I didn't know that, and read with Olivia. And then I think it was probably about a week of uh, nail biting, and then I was off the part. So you know, it was uh, quite a strenuous. And I think a lot of uh, other actors I know go through that process because. Um, I think they want to be absolutely sure. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I was just really very, very delighted in jumping up and down in my dressing room at the theatre. You still have that extreme excitement when you hear that you've got a job. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because when you're inside it and you're making stuff, you know, you must find this, Gabby, that, that working is sort of, your experience of creating something is often very different from people watching it. So, you know, the creating of it sitting in a room for a few days doing a scene with Olivia has has a incredible reward and satisfaction in terms of work you know as it's as it's, it's nerve-wracking occasionally and yes you mentioned earlier on the scale of it you know you can't believe that the size of the lights I mean that sounds like a sort of an amateur <laughs> but you know the lights are enormous and the, the the abilities to to um and and the sets etc so brilliant but it really it's it's the opportunity you're excited because you've got the opportunity to do incredible work you know and everything else follows from that you know all the sort of uh, you know the sort of premieres and all the black tie jobs and everything and and the reaction is 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 you know is nice but it's really secondary to sitting in a room and I will talk a little bit about Des maybe later on but you know doing scenes those incredible scenes with David are you know and 
likewise with Olivia, are, you know, they're, they're the things you remember. How wonderful, though, that you still feel like that about each of the jobs. I mean, has there ever been a job that you've got and you've thought, oh, God, oh, no. <laughs> so what, what, do you want me to listen? No, to oh, really? <laughs> I, see, I imagine you going in to everything with that, glorious smile well they're they're all done for different they're all t- different ways aren't they sometimes you it's weird actually because sometimes i think oh i'm going to do this uh, you know this is a good money earner this will be good and i'll you know I'll, I'll 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 earn some money on this one and then i'll do my arty bit on on something else and try and do something for absolutely no money at all and be a bit edgy but actually it's weird how your expectation of jobs changes sometimes and even when you look in the diary and think well i can do that and then i can do this one and then you know, you sort of see occasionally, you'll see maybe if you're lucky, you know, three, four months in advance and you think I'm going to slip that in. But when you're in it, it's it's got an identity and one's expectation of it may be different to the actual doing of it. But uh, there's very few things, particularly recently, that I uh, haven't wanted to do recently. Do you know, I never realised about you and I'm somebody who's never missed an episode that you did EastEnders. You did 11 episodes of EastEnders. Cool, blimey. Yes, I did. I did, I did, yeah, I did, yeah, Jerry Fairweather. Uh, yeah, that was my first time in front of a camera. That was your, oh, my word. So you've gone from that. I mean, surely you were excited about that because it was, oh, yeah. it was, as you said, your first time. There you were now launching yourself into television. Well, I, I, yeah, I've done lots of sort of small scale touring, you know, six months tours of one night stands and stuff like that. I think, you know, in theatres and above pubs and. Basically, you know, sort of theatre actor, and you know, this is why at the moment things are so hard for live performers. And uh, I really feel, I, you know, I, I don't do as much these days, and haven't done for a while. But I started, yeah, above pubs and uh, around the small scale, mid scale venues all over the country, and I started picking up sort of things after that. But yeah, they, they, um, I'd got a Mike Lee film actually. I did High Hopes, um, and that was. That was coming up, yeah, in the sort of January or something. And then EastEnders came up and said, they want you to for this part. So I, I was supposed to embody the whole of the yuppie tide of 1986, I think, and I was this sort of yuppie called Jerry Fairweather who, like, drunk um, Perrier and had a, pool, a Porsche <laughs> and, uh, like, uh, he had a personal organiser <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, and he sort of a pal of Wilmot Brown's. Uh, and yeah, I think I can say, actually, that I was in one of the top 10 most viewed television programmes in history. I mean, it was when, when Angie left the Dagmar, went back to the Vic. Um, she knocked me out at the bar, lay me flat. I'd had enough and went back to the, the Queen Vic. And um, yeah, it was, I think, millions of people have watched it. It was 25 million or something, wasn't it? Something, and that's something I can tell Rob Brydon, actually. When Des, the, the figures for Des have been great. I mean... Uh, 10.9 million viewers. It's the, it's the biggest launch since for 14 years. But of course, he then reminds me of um, Gavin and Stacey, which I think got an enormous amount of viewers. No, you can remind him of, of EastEnders. What a wonderfully talented person he is. He can sing and dance and act and you know, he can host things, but what an unpleasant man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I've just told you that particular uh, sort of joke, William. Because he said to me, oh, he said, your appalling boldness has given you a certain gravitas. <laughs> now, as promised, I'd like to tell you more about our fantastic sponsor of this episode, Simprove. Now, I have been telling 
everyone about this company for years before we started working together. I promise that's absolutely true. It's a food supplement containing live and active bacteria to support gut health and a balanced microbiome. The reason that it's different from others that you might have tried is that it's unique. It's water-based, which means that it travels straight to your gut to thrive and multiply. Now, they're a family-run brand produced on a farm in the Surrey Hills. I've been there. They're all fabulous. And they're very proud of their heritage and evidence-based product. It's gluten-free, dairy-free, suitable for vegetarians and vegans. It's available as a subscription or start with the introductory 12-week program. Now, the gut has an incredibly strong connection to the brain. When you sort your gut out, your general health just feels so much better. For more information, visit the Simprove website and that's simprove.com. It's S-Y-M-P-R-O-V-E.com. We have an exclusive discount just for the listeners of this podcast. You can get 15% off the 12-week program by entering this promo code when you're at the checkout. It's G-A-B-Y 15. That's Gabby 15 for new customers in the UK. They have a fantastically helpful customer care team who I've called in the past and they have been very helpful and we'll put their phone number in this episode description. You mentioned Des now a couple of times and congratulations on that. The performances of you and David and Danny, what an extraordinary piece of television though. Goodness me. I mean, I'm not surprised, but I, I am surprised that the sheer scale of the reaction has been incredible. Uh, and f- for me, I mean, I just thought, God, what a fascinating part. What an amazing, this guy's really interesting. And, and it, it just, just all those, pressed all those buttons about, you know, impersonating him and the complexity of his relationship with Nielsen and, you know, what was that all about? And what were the things that were going on in his head at that time? It's an extraordinary thing. You have to, I suppose, and actually, you have to really, really be forensic about placing yourself in that room with that person and try and strip away all the kind of stuff that we know about Dennis Nilsson or even Brian himself and think about yourself. What would, what would I do? What would I be thinking if I went into a room with that person? So, I mean, some uh, sort of act. Uh, it was Hungarian actors and said that when he acts, you know, it, it, it's like a tightrope and at one end is you and at the other end is your character. And you sort of walk both at the same time, you both walk towards each other. So, you know, there's, there's you and how you would feel, you know, and then there's how your character would feel. And you've got to do both. Otherwise, as you said earlier, it's either impersonation or if it's just you, you're not really in character. So if you meet somewhere in the middle, that's that's a good thing, and I suppose it, it, yeah, it was such a joy. And Lewis Arnold, this young director, was just he pulled everybody with him, and production team, new pictures, ITV. I mean, they were just Luke Neal, the the right. It's brilliant writing. It's an amazing story, and we we all deliberately stayed away from the salaciousness and the. There's nothing too shocking. It's all. It's the words. The shockingness is is what is said. Yeah, it's interesting because at the. the... I think episode one, I, I was deeply disturbed, it but but fascinated, and I was, I was trying to work out what I thought that Brian from, from a viewer that Brian felt about him, and it was he was intoxicated by him and fascinated, and 
what would I, and I kept thinking, what would I do if I was sitting there as an interviewer yeah, yeah. <laughs> with Nielsen? I mean, I, it was extraordinary. And Brian had a fascination with, with, with him as a person, he was a biographer. So I think he had a, a huge uh, kind of, um, to try and comprehend, understand, comprehend this, his behaviour and his um, book, Killing the Company. I actually, that's one thing I did in lockdown, I recorded that so you can listen to me as Brian Masters reading his own book on Audible. So uh, the detail of the book is, it's a great listen <laughs> if you can stomach it, but it goes into the detail of it. And I think the most shocking part of it for me about Nielsen is really his um, his narcissism and his disrespect for, or not about, it's not an active dislike. He just doesn't have that part of his brain of, of real understanding and appreciation of the loss that he engendered on families and the pain that he caused his victims. He, he kind of, it's less about them and always about him. And as an actor, we can be quite self-centered because we have to sort of survive the rigors of our job. You know, you've got to keep a, a certain level of confidence sometimes. And, you know, so we are sometimes by nature quite self-centered. So, but Nilsson is just off the scale. And I think that was the thing, despite the horrors of what he did, it's the whole complete wholesale disregard of lack of empathy, which is the most shocking aspect of, of that whole case, perhaps. And beautifully portrayed by, by David Tennant. I mean, extraordinary performance. Oh, yeah. And I mean, Dan, Danny's, Dan, Danny's what, what an actor he is. I mean, just the effortless, right at the emotional sort of centre of it all. He's a brilliant actor. Yeah, he really is. And a lovely guy as well. Before we go to the comedy stuff, which we have to talk about, because I, you know how much there's a certain Mr Shakespeare we have to go to, because otherwise my daughter would never speak to me. And every time I interview you, we have to go there. But Christopher Jeffries as well, that was an extraordinary piece of television. Another one, and I again, you embodied the person. It wasn't impersonation, and, and I know you won the BAFTAs, and I was re-watching your acceptance, and it, it, it was extraordinary drama. I mean, ITV do some... Amazing dramas. They they do. They do. I mean, I don't, yeah. I mean, what is, I don't know what the rules are for that. I don't know how that happens. Uh, they just have got on a bit of a roll. And I've been very lucky that I've been, you know, part of a couple of them. And um, yeah, I mean, Christopher Jeffers, I mean, he's where I'm in Bristol now and doing Donald and Dodds. And he lives not far away from where I'm sitting now. And I'll see him at some point if we, you know, COVID allowing, we'll sort of wave at each other across the downs. Um, but um, what a story that was and uh, a terrible tragedy, of course. If there is a comparison, actually, the way that in, in Des we, we try to avoid any sensationalism, salaciousness that some documentaries perhaps particularly go towards, a sensationalist horror aspect, uh, we stayed away from that in the script. And in the, the same thing happened with the Christopher. At the moment, the emotional centre of that was the memory and, of Joanna Yates. This is wonderful montage in the middle of it, when we go back into her her flat, as it was when she was last there. And that beautiful poetic lyrical passage, right at the heart of the piece. So you know all the sort of accolades and the awards and stuff we very much remember her and what her family went through and so there is a center to these pieces that do well I think that really connects with audiences and the care with which the programs are made I feel does come through the screen and hits audiences and certainly with the Christopher Jeffries story 
yeah, it was about Joe, but it was really about the way that we as a society look at eccentrics, how we view them and perhaps prejudge them. And, uh, you know, uh, and it's a celebration almost of eccentricity. Uh, and also it's about press regulation, sort of hang drawing a quarter someone even before they've been accused of anything. So, and of course, Christopher wasn't accused, wasn't accused of anything. You embody these these people and these heartbreaking stories. I mean, Frozen, you mentioned on stage, as I, I've spoken to you about before, it was one of the most, it was amazing and, and powerful and a very tough watch. But but then there is that other side of you that, and I'm going straight to Nativity and Mr. Shakespeare and Confetti. I mean, you do funny better than anybody. So I'm not surprised they got you to be Mr. Humphreys and, but in Are You Being Served? But, but Mr. Shakespeare is... Just, I mean, Nativity is that we watch that and Elf every single Christmas. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, those films are so, um, they go every year, they, they garner a new audience. And I, I remember being on holiday sort of in Italy a few years ago. We uh, were walking up into the sort of piazza of this village and, and um, this family <laughs> ran across the piazza. Oh, my Mr. Shakespeare, oh my goodness. And uh, they were very, very warm and, and lovely. And, and, and they said, oh, we've just, they'd driven from Bolton, I think. They'd come from, driven down in a massive camper van, down the UK, across France, down through Italy. And they'd had the, these nativity films on a loop all the way down across the journey and they'd literally just turn the turn the cd player off in the car i think they had a cd player and then they got out the car and saw me across the so they couldn't believe it that's fantastic that you must have made their year oh i, I well i think they the, the films are so appreciated and warm uh it, um you know they're all improvised so i think that was the clever bit that amongst many bits that uh, debbie i said the uh, director and creator um, that they are unashamedly warm, populist, funny, inclusive and compassionate and celebrated. I mean, they're all those things. But because they're sort of made up on the spot, we make up the dialogue when the camera was running, you know, we plan scenes, but really it was all made up. That that sort of freshness and unexpectedness, particularly with the kids, so they're not sort of learning lines that they're trying to make real. They just, they're just talking... So they, that, again, that's sort of really connected with audiences. And um, if you think that really, you know, clearly I'm a character actor, you know, and I like playing different people. So, you know, if you've got that going on and then you, you've accessed, I think it's fair to say, early on in my career, doing lots of different types of theatres. I talked about doing shows above pubs and then doing bits of the National Theatre, the RSC and... Uh, and then the Royal Court, and you get to do lots of different types of plays. And I've just really brought that into into my work on tele, in television film. You know, you're playing, you're in different genres, and the, the requirement is to be a funny character. So, well, you know, off you go. But you you enjoy it, don't don't you? Though, because I I mean that W one A, which is my other, I just very good, very strong. It, it's just marvellous and I loved the special you did in lockdown yeah the little zoom thing oh it was marvellous I just wanted more we all wanted more from that well we keep we, we sort of tweet each other occasionally I, I I think Hugh choose great he'll initiate a tweet something will happen on the BBC and he'll he'll then tweet it in character to me and then I tweet back in character then Rufus and Sarah Paris join in and but I, I missed one because I had my head into the middle of filming so there's quite a pressure on it to be quite to make sure it's funny when it goes back. But you know, <laughs> oh, that's a bit boring. But um, uh, that that's been a, 
a sort of enjoyable afterlife of the show. But yeah, I mean, it was, again, that was, a, that just did so well. I think it was, uh, I think it's funny because early on they were worried that it would be too BBC media centric and that the audiences. But it did exactly like that at the BBC. It, it is, I mean, you know, and people, people <laughs> in the BBC were convinced it was a documentary, you know, and people would, I'd go to the BBC and said, I know exactly who your character's based on. Uh, and many, many people said that. And so there were obviously many different people within the BBC, just like Simon Harwood. Um, but yeah, that, that was that was a joy. And, and I suppose the um, lovely cast and I suppose the requirement there was to, again, just not to get in the way of the writing. You know, J John Morton is uh, just this brilliant satirist, really. And uh, in a way, you'd want to do less acting because it's all in the words, you know. It's embodying and and but you do do it with with such care and you do it so beautifully. I'm slightly concerned though that I've read that that there is somebody that you would like to embody. You'd like to have a go at Farage. Yeah, that's uh, that's. What is this about? What what, Jason? I think I said that in an interview, and I said, "Oh, I wouldn't mind having a go at Farage." And he said, "Well, that's it. You've given me the headline there," and I said, "Well, you know." I think, yeah, well, that, well, that's interesting. I'm going to contradict everything that I've just said there, aren't I? Because I'm not a fan of Nigel Farage. But, you know, it'd be interesting to play him, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, the Brexit story has got to be told again and again, I think. Um, what was it like being in a James Bond film? Yeah, well, that we were quite a cast, actually. There was Hugh, Hugh Bonneville and Pip Torrens, who then went on to be rather brilliant in the first season of The Crown. He was in it. Uh, Brendan Coyle was in my little scene, who uh, was found fame in Downton Abbey. So that was years and years ago. We were all sort of acts. That was great. I mean, the, the, the buzz about that was great when you went to the Castle's Crew screening, when you saw the up came the James Bond titles, you know. That must be exciting. Uh, but I'm really sorry. I, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I'm going to just say it. There's a story about you that what happened when you got into RADA. And I thought it was a joke. Uh, no, no, that is true. I mean... Oh, my word. You yeah. killed your cat. Yeah, I, I mean... Yeah, isn't life, isn't life funny? Uh, I did, I did... Yeah, when I got my acceptance letter for RADA... And uh, listen, I'm, this is going to offend a lot of cat lovers um, and animal lovers. So I, I'm so sorry that... Yeah, when I got my acceptance letter to get into RADA... Uh, dear Jason Watkins, I'm very glad to offer you a place at the Royal Academy. I jumped in the air and landed on our cat and killed it. And it was in that moment, and it was it was pretty horrific. Um, and you know, I went to school and I said, "What was what's wrong?" I said, "I've got into rod and I killed the cat." Oh, I'm really sorry. Yeah, but this is it. You know, there's a whole there's a whole. I could tell you the whole story, but that's sort of life, isn't it? I mean, you know, that absolute probably one of the happiest moments of my life. Uh, that are getting into rod. I mean, it's you know, uh, no history of it in my family. There's no, you know, just like a it's a big deal. Um, and then the worst, you know, moment of my life juxtaposed. Uh, so acutely um, is, is quite something, isn't it? I'm very sorry for your cat, and I, it was awful. Yes, little Jacob, and I'm sorry. Let's, let's talk about why you're in Bristol, as you said. You're doing more McDonald's and Dodds, and I, you know how much I love that because I chatted to you. I'm so pleased that there's more because everybody just loved it. They did. They went absolutely crazy for it. It's, um, I think me and Tala just 
hit it off so well and it's there in the writing there's a kind of double act to it and so you've got sort of more contemporary themes of two very different people from different worlds solving crimes with you know these fantastic casts and it's you know this this time around we've got um rob bryden is coming into play there is a, a group of characters who are from the sort of 80s and they are living together as a sort of you know big sort of family as it were and we've got martin kent patsy kensick kathy tyson and rupert graves so it's it's a very colorful show it's got all sorts of different things in it it's very rich and colorful and Oh, congratulations on that! But, but um, it's lovely that you're you're back working because I know weren't you you were cut short doing um, around the world in eighty days, weren't you? You and David. Yes, no, well remembered. Yeah, me and we we'd done Des together. If we hadn't had enough, I think it's about the sixth or seventh time we worked together actually. Uh, and yeah, we were doing around the world in eighty days. Yeah, well, I was filming in South Africa. I'd finished most of my my work on it. Um, and yeah, the, the shutters came down. They said, you know, you we want. Please leave the country in two days. Um, so we did, and um, th- but that is you know it, that is coming back and will be finished. You know, will be finished. So that's a good thing. And um, obviously, we are filming now and finding different ways of observing all the COVID rules. And I suppose all I can say is, once the camera is running, you feel very much like it always has done. But it's all the other things about keeping your distance, wearing your masks, visors, doing your own microphones often doing your own makeup and all sorts of things. If you have your hair cut, the poor, you know, makeup person who cuts your hair has to put the whole sort of suit on, you know, because of fibres. So we're, everyone's, I think everyone's, and I think this is one of the contributing factors to Des's uh, success and overwhelming responses, that audiences are desperate for, you know, material and new stuff. And so we as, you know, TV and filmmakers, Want, want desperately to make that work. So we're doing all sorts of things to ensure that we're safe and that we can keep filming. And I think that's so important because as as audience, as an audience member, I just wanted new stuff and I'd sort of devour all the new stuff. But, but what upsets me as somebody who's so passionate about the arts is all the people who are not working in theatre uh, behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, the actors, the technical people. The uh, It's just, it's so difficult it's so so tough yeah i mean it's you know the individuals who are all the crew members all those push and pull guys in the in the fly towers and the front of house and the you know they're not working and they have no support um so and they seem to be the last person sometimes you simply but you know people in the arts well you know they deserve it because it's you know it's, it's a precarious profession and the arts is a essential part it brings us together as a society it brings us closer it makes us more tolerant i mean this is what we need particularly at the moment and it exp- and again it, you know as i said earlier you know, it expresses different worlds that you can share as a group and this is a common enterprise and so uh, it, for that not to be going on and not to be valued as it should be i think is is criminal actually I agree. Absolutely agree with you. So the, the moment you're doing McDonald's and Dodds, then you're going back to doing Around the World in 80 Days. Do you stop? Uh, I'm, I'm delighted you don't. I'm actually delighted because you know I'm, I am such a huge fan, but I just think you're such a delight of a person as well. But, thank you, but it's wonderful that you're not stopping. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have my moments of being completely not energised and exhausted, and Clara will tell you this, my wife. But um, and I hope I save enough energy for my family. And but uh, I think actually, you know, 
I keep saying this, so I'm going to be a bit more sort of, I'm going to turn some things down and have a bit more time at home, or, or frankly, a bit more time to sort of recover, you know. You might as well make the most of it. And, and I'm, I'm lucky that I'm, uh, there's interesting material and, and stuff to do, and, uh, and I, I, I love my job. And, you know, it's, uh, one has to keep working as well. You know, it's, um, I have to earn a living, you know, and, and so I'm lucky that I've got a, a great uh, thing to do, you know. We, did, we said when you were on your hands, we talked about Clara. So she's got a fashion business. I mean, I've, I follow her on Instagram. Yeah, well, she was in, um, she was in Leopoldstadt, or she still is in Leopoldstadt, the uh, Tom Stoppard play in the West End. So she's trained as an actress, been an actress, but early on in her career, she's self-taught herself as a jeweller, and she's got a jewellery company called Clara Francis, which was very successful. And, and now she's gone into a fashion brand, O, o Pioneers, and they're beautiful dresses using Liberty, Liberty prints and often Liberty archive prints. So they're, uh, she's got access to this incredible back catalogue of designs, uh, of patterns, sorry, and, and she, you know, she's made uh, a new, this new company and it's been going since November and it's a sort of new world, isn't it, of the way that these you can sell online, take photographs, you create the world and the images and you can sell direct to the public. And so that's been one of the good things, nicer things that's happened in lockdown for us anyway, that that. She's, I'm so incredibly proud of her to be able to have done that whilst, you know, making sure, you know, looking after me and, um, uh, and, and our young family as well. There's this wonderful photograph. I think it's either on yours or of hers. She looks like a sort of evergreen character from a long time ago. She has this extraordinary look of her that she could be from any era. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very true. Yeah, she's got a kind of, uh, <clears throat> she's got a sort of uh, almost like 1920s kind of look to her. To her, and sometimes she wears her hair up, and I'm getting into a lot of detail here. But you know, she wears up in sort of twenties and thirties, and then she looks completely modern. And the dresses, I suppose, are sort of there are there's a, a, a throwback slightly to sort of those kind of prairie dresses, but with this sort of much more sort of modern. Yeah. Yes, Little House on the Prairie and 1970s as well. Um, how did you you two meet? Was it were you working together? Uh, well, yes. I mean, that's we. Gosh, we met. Yeah, years ago, she was in uh, the young, met at the young Vic, yeah, and we uh, we got together and then we had a long journey where we weren't together anymore and then years later we came back and we've been together for, you know, 20, 20 years now and got oh. you know, two young children and uh, I've got two older boys, Freddie and Pip from my first marriage to Caroline. Wasn't Freddie in Nativity with you as well? Yeah, Freddie was in Nativity, well, so was uh, Bessie actually, my... Uh, Daughter, my eldest my daughter, she was, uh, she, I think she was called Volumnia. I sort of christened her Volumnia. Volumnia? Uh, on, the, on the spot. Uh, and Freddie, yeah, oh, and Freddie was. Uh, you cruel. Yeah, Sebastian, uh, Freddie was, that's right. And he, he famously t- turned the sign round so that the opposition went the wrong way into Wales. As I think, <laughs> you know, it all makes sense. <laughs> but Volumnia, I mean, only a father could do that to a, to a daughter on their first film. Yes. Volumnia? Oh, yes. no, that's cruel. You're a, I don't see you as a cruel man, and yet somehow Volumnia... No, but Mr Shakespeare is cruel, yes, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, he is a cruel person. Please can we have more of Mr Shakespeare? That's, the, that's out of the mouth of my 13-year-old, who, um, who, as you know, is a massive... I'd be very happy to send a little video, I mean, I, I, to her personally. I, I, I don't know if I can do any more of that. I, kind of, I, think, I've, I think I've exhausted my, um, my, my Shakespeare bones... 
perhaps. But uh, it, but it was it was a real yeah it was a real joy to make. Well, okay, if you could do one Mrs. Shakespeare for her, and if you could do a um, a very good, very strong W one A because that has to come back. Yes, no, brilliant. Uh, so we got that. That can be for me. Um, and if you could do a Duff 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 because I'm an EastEnders fan, and then I'll watch you in McDonald and. Dodds and of course around the world in 80 days and then I'm completely Jason Watkins you'll have my whole you'll have my whole uh, repertoire <laughs> yes at your fingertips <laughs> Jason you are such a delight thank you so much and please send Clara my love and I will do. such a joy to speak to you again lovely thank you thank you and you Gabby bless you bye now Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much to our exclusive sponsor of this episode. Go to simprove.com and use the code GABBY15 at checkout. On next week's episode, my guest is the actor and singer Luke Evans. That Gabby Roslin podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions. Music by Beth Macari. Could you please press the follow button or the subscribe button? And each new episode will come straight to your phone on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you choose to listen. It's also incredibly helpful, if you wouldn't mind, if you could please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Now you do this by scrolling to the bottom of all the episodes and press tap to rate and write a review. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.